Three, two, one. Grace can heal the world. And today, the Supreme Court of these United States gave Americans an open invitation to use grace more effectively. Instead of taking us further into conflict and becoming more susceptible to the algorithm, we are here right now to offer a different kind of response. Welcome to Grace Art with Jim Babka, sponsored by the Zero Aggression Project, zeroaggressionproject.org. I'm your host, Bill Crossman, here on the AHO Radio Network. Please let me say right up front that the views we're about to discuss are our own and not those of our employers or sponsors. Jim, it's obvious that the Supremes believe that a woman's legal right to abortion is a decision that's best left to the individual state. Many people argue that overturning federal protection for abortion is a reversal of a woman's right to choose. These positions only feed the conflict machine. What is the zero aggression response? I'm interested in going further than that. I want to go to the grace response. And I think we need to clarify some things. So we made a very sudden decision to go live here when this came down. And you're traveling at the moment, right? That's right. Yeah, you can see the green behind me. <laughs> so we're doing this thing a little remote. The audio is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we may even have some technical difficulties. We want to warn people about that uh, up front. Uh, so thank you for interrupting your travels. I mean, you've even got the the nice hat on and everything there. So you bet, man. I'm 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 in this. This is one of the greatest opportunities we've had so far in in Grace Archie, and I'm just I, I'm thrilled to be here right now. I really am. So I want to I want us I want to set a goal for us while we're here. I want us to do something really different from what everyone else is going to do. And that is that we, 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 yes, we'll talk about the politics about, of this. Yes, we should talk about the implications of the decision. We probably should share our own personal feelings about the decision. We probably should put all that on the table. But I think that what we need to do is practice what we preach. This is Grace Arkey. And there's a concept that we've had that we've discussed on this program called the steel man. And the steel man is where you look to each side's best argument and you try to apply that. Uh, instead of a straw man argument that you can easily tear down. Uh, that is the empathetic, gracious approach. But more importantly than that, I want to start off just by saying, Bill, I think this is a moment of incredible, huge cultural opportunity. It will most likely be squandered because this message isn't widespread enough at this juncture. We were, we're only on our fourth episode here. I, in my email inbox, I've already heard from a pro-life organization that said, we won, but the fight is still going to go on. Now it's going to, we're going to be engaged in combat in the States and send lawyers, guns, and money, right? I mean, this is where they're going. And then I turned on NBC News and I heard somebody from the uh, pro-abortion side say almost exactly the same thing. We're going to fight this in all the halls that we can possibly fight this. We've got lots of legal avenues to go into. And then the president of the United States was just on air moments before we've come on. He just went off just a few minutes ago, suggesting that he was going to uh, fight this in every way he can. So everybody's operative word right now is fight. And that inherently feels wrong to me. It's, there should be other ways of dealing uh, with the issue that we have in front of us. So go ahead, start firing your most difficult questions at me, but don't, don't, let's, not, let's not neglect the politics because I definitely want to talk about this, but let's, let's focus today on what we can do um, to heal to, uh, and, and for cultural repair. Where are the opportunities in this? 
nothing surprising about the politics. I'm completely good with that. Not that I like it, but I, I get it. You know, I understand where the various sides are on this. So but beginning with that, so how do we steel man the two sides arguments in a way that's skillful? Well, I think they've already done a really good job of, think, of making the arguments they think are the best arguments. Uh, but I do think we need to be fair even in that. Um, because some of the things that they're saying maybe about one side or the other are not completely accurate. Um, the president of the United States has suggested based on one, uh, and, uh, you know, this is over 200 pages long. Haven't read it yet. We're going on air, had other plans. I have a job was doing those things this morning, right? Rush out to come here, just barely beginning to digest this news along with everyone else. But Clarence Thomas did not, it, is, it wrote what's called a concurring opinion. So it was a six, three decision, but he was on, he was, he had concurrence. And he is the only justice who has raised the issue that other decisions, like the Obergefell decision, uh, having to do with uh, uh, you know, gay marriage, uh, contraception decisions, which proceeded, by the way, uh, built up to uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, should also be on the table because they were based on nearly identical grounds uh, as Roe was. The majority opinion written by Alito and signed on to by uh, four other justices, including the chief, explicitly, as I understand it, did said that they will not be taking on uh, these issues. They're not interested. They're not going to take up these issues. Those issues are settled. This issue is different because there is a belief on the pro-life side that life is at stake, uh, that there's a human being there. Uh, we can discuss what is or isn't a human being. I think that's a valid question. It's something that should have been discussed more uh, previously. And one of the potential benefits of a situation that we're in now is that maybe we can begin having those discussions, like in earnest and for real, because nobody's done our homework for us. The Supreme Court's been doing our homework for the last 50 years. But there is a lot of women in this country have had abortions. I mean, a really high number of, of people have had them and whatever their feelings are after the fact, because uh, I know that there's some division on that. Some have regret and others, you know, this is just something I felt I needed to do at the time. It is, it is the case that a lot of women in that situation have felt the need to avail themselves of those services. And to the degree that they are being endangered uh, by whatever laws that are going to come down where they won't be able to get access to the medical services they need, or they're forced to carry uh, a child to term that they didn't intend, they didn't, uh, they didn't in any way invite, such as rape, incest, whatever. Um, with the life of the mothers at stake, because there are a couple states that didn't actually make sure that they took that off the table, make sure that that was protected, where their doctors advising it for other very serious medical reasons. I mean, I, I think that there is clearly a situation here where some degree of abortion has to remain legal everywhere, regardless. But abortion is not going to be illegal. Almost half the states, it's still going to be legal. You'll still be able to travel and get an abortion. And I think the Republicans or the conservatives or the, the pro-life community, uh, such as they are, the political aspect of them, will make a huge mistake if they overplay their hand in this decision. If they start raiding clinics, if they start charging uh, abortion doctors retroactively, if they um, 
if they they decide to 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 try of the very unconstitutional gambit of saying you can't cross an, a, a state line to go get an abortion or receive funds from outside the state to travel across those lines or all the other various things that are going to happen if they do that i think that's going to be a tremendous overplaying of their hand uh in this situation it will not be the gracious response and i think each one of those sides has to take stock of what their goals are right now what are they really trying to accomplish i gotta confess here i'm glad that we're at this juncture for all the reasons that you just mentioned and i'm concerned that we won't take this opportunity skillfully and that we'll just turn it into more conflict as you say we've only been on the air three times now four and this this idea of grace while it isn't new it's definitely new in our era and being able to come to the table and say yes pro-life you have a valid position. Yes, pro-choice, you have a valid position. How do we sort of negotiate the grace into that instead of turning it into another battle, which is the way that we've been doing things? Do you have any insight on that, Jim? I'm going to be a little better on the life side because I was raised in a conservative Christian family. And this issue uh, has been a part of, has been something I've had an understanding or opinion on, you know, going all the way back to junior high. So, you know, I, I was in junior high in the early 80s um, and graduated from high school in the mid 80s. So now I'm, everybody knows my age now. You can do the math. And I was at that time, you know, with the Christian and conservative background, was very steeped and versed in the arguments there. And one of the things I became aware of over the years was that there were people who were on the front lines already providing crisis pregnancy services. These included counseling, uh, diapers, formula, um, assist, assistance of various kinds. I also became aware adoption that, parts, right? yeah, I was just about to say that adoption also becomes a, a big thing. Uh, there is actually a, a tremendous shortage um, of, there, there's a, you have a, a market, a large number of parents. And this includes uh, in my own family, I've, my, my nephew is gay. And uh, he and his uh, husband would like to adopt. And it's a, it's a very torturous multi-year process to go through. And, and uh, something could happen very suddenly in the midst of all of this. But it's in general, it's an expensive, very involved process. And uh, you would like to see more children available uh, to these families that are really craving the ability to parent and 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 there's a possibility that will, that may be one of the, the, the good side effects uh, in this whole situation. But back to the, to the grace, meeting people where they're at and trying to find ways to help them. And, and I will tell you one more thing on the adoption thing, because I think this is actually kind of really bad, is that the, in most states, a woman isn't able to get, um, she can't sell her baby, right? They have laws that basically limit the amount of money that can be um, given to her for basically giving up nine, uh, nine months of her life. Right. And some, if there's medical problems, there's even a limit as to how much the, the, the future family can cover those medical concerns. Right. It's, it's a really difficult, stressful, tricky area of law that really, you know, if, if we really need to pay much better attention to, 
and do something to, that allows people to make more voluntary free choices amongst each other. But I want to just extol that this crisis pregnancy thing, I think if the pro-life community goes, okay, well, good, we won, it's over. They got exactly the wrong lesson out of this, that it's those efforts right there that need to be, you know, turned up to 11, as they said, in Spinal Tap, right? It, it, you need to, you really, really need to double down on that gracious act. Um, on well, the, you the, say to the, to the pro-choice community, especially in, as you, you brought up, um, it's hard to have an adoption and be paid for it. But there's the surrogacy side of this too, where surrogates are paid enormous sums of money to be able to carry a child to term, which wouldn't have been possible within the family, regardless of the family's position on pro-choice or pro-life. So I would say not all forms of regulation are necessarily bans. Uh, there's a lot of things that can take place in between and not all of them should necessarily be resisted. Um, one of the things that I think people on, have, been, have, have said, and I think unfairly, is that uh, people who are pro-choice want more abortions to occur. But people on that side have repeatedly tried to make clear that they believe abortion, uh, while it should be legal and available, uh, should probably be also rare. Bill Clinton famously said safe, legal, and rare. And if that really is your heart, like if you are, are trying to make sure that women who are in a really bad situation have access to the needs that they have at that moment, then make sure that that still happens. I want to make an analogy or a comparison here. The, there's a thing in, in law called the Logan Act. It's existed for, I don't know, let's say 100 years at least, more likely. And the Logan Act says that if a government, uh, your, your government is the only government, their position is the only position that can exist in foreign policy. So if you decide, for example, to go take up arms for another country, now you can do it for Ukraine right now because that's legal, but can you go take up arms for Russia? You know, if, you should have the ability to make decisions for yourself who you are going to assist and support. And I think if you are, are wanting to make sure that women have those choices, there are going to, this is in some case, some states, this is going to mean travel. This is going to mean making sure that there are uh, opportunities to get those women across the state lines to the places that they need the medical help. Um, and I think uh, rather, I, I, you know, I, obviously they're not going to give up on the legal strategy, but <clears throat> to the degree that they can facilitate or assist um, in that process, um, they will also be doing, achieving their goals of making sure that abortion is available to the women who do need it. And they're going to do that through voluntarily organizing. And I, so, I'm, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, almost always, the thing that you're going to find me saying is that we should, um, we should organize voluntarily. You should do what you believe should be done. I should do what I believe done. And then you put your money where your mouth is. You put your time where your commitments are. You show your values in action rather but than not to fight to, 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 to grace. I mean, we use it as a verb to put your values into action as grace. Yes. Yes. Which means you allow, you accept my values and you allow my actions and I do the same for you. Yes. Now I want to say, you know, we need to talk about the constitutional aspects of this here. I want to say that there is a one 
there is one way in which this decision was completely right. <clears throat> and I, to me, this should be incontrovertible. And I, and, and I realize, you know, you sit down, you do a, a broadcast like this, inevitably you're going to offend somebody. So this is probably the moment where that starts to happen. If I haven't done it already, this is probably the moment where it starts to happen. Murder, rape, incest, burglary, vandalism, all of these things are state level issues in our system of government. And they, the, the system of government was designed in a federalist structure where the uh, issues were to be handled at the most uh, local or subsidiary level possible, right? It's, this was not supposed to be a government where everything was planned and, and done in Washington, D.C. And Roe v. Wade, what it has done, whether you, you <laughs> go ahead and disagree with me, everybody's going to, has basically made it so that we can't have a conversation in our 50 laboratories of democracy around the country. There's so going could you to be... expand on that? Because this is, this is so key here. So what I heard you say was that Roe Ro v. Wade took the conversation away from us as local communities and basically just ended it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It effectively okay. ended it. There was, there was only one side that had the final say. They always had the final say. Uh, in this matter, and they won't enjoy that position anymore. And I, I see costs in that, as obviously they do, right? But this is this now means that we have a chance to grow up. We've had a fifty. We've had fifty years where we didn't have to have this discussion. And and I think when it, when societies are not engaging in these moral questions with each other, when we're not talking, uh, we get sclerotic. We get morally kind of weak. If your position's moral, if you believe your position is the good, and I'm talking to both sides here, then you should be prepared to have that discussion. You should be able to do it in calm, rational tones because you're right. You don't have to shout. You don't have to force. You don't have to coerce. You can get your position across that way. Now, I'm saying this to both the, 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 the newly now exposed pro-choice position, right? This is, this is fresh territory for them. and the pro-lifers who are now feeling like they have the upper hand. The worst thing that we could do is continue to make this thing more politicized. What should start to be happening now is each, each community, and in this case, in our country, the way our government works is going to be done by this at state level, although there is a local aspect to this, but it's going to be done at the state level for the most part in terms of what the laws are going to be, that they should be having these discussions. And then what, what's going to happen, because humans have to learn by experience and slow, and often, unfortunately, the hard way, is that we get to see the, the results of the various experiments that are going on in the country. Where, but what I predict is where you see the most force being applied against abortion, you will see other things creep into the cultures there that are bad for those cultures. You'll see other side effects that will happen that will not be good for them. It is not, to me, universally obvious that the number one issue on the table is is the abortion act itself it is how the community is dealing with the issues surrounding life in the first place and if your method is coercive force if you're going to twist people's arms or worse throw them into prison for disagreeing with you i think you're going to have you're going to have some some other side effect issues that are going to harm your culture that doesn't sound like grace to me. I've already started to hear this argument since the, since the leak came out, uh, mostly from conservatives who say, well, you know, abortion 
this isn't that big of an issue the way it was 50 years ago. Elaborate on that a little bit. I want to make sure I'm answering your... Yeah, that, well, this is coming, of course, from a political place. Someone who is running for office as conservative oh. is able to take advantage of the fact that we've never... You yes. Know, uh, we've never had to have the conversation, and so it just doesn't, it isn't as relevant as it used to be. You're 100% right, and this is the perfect segue to get into the political aspect. So I'm sitting here in June of, of, of 2022. We have midterm elections coming up in November. And if the elections were to have happened yesterday, or this past Tuesday, right? If they were to happen this past Tuesday, the Republicans would have routed the Democrats. This is not only the perceived wisdom, this is as obvious as the nose on your face. Few elections are as obvious as what was coming down the pike here. They're in deep trouble for a number of reasons. But I had already posited, I had said this on Gary Nolan's show when I was on there, that I think there's a distinct possibility that this issue would loom large enough that it could impact the Republicans' electoral success in the fall. This is, this is brand new territory for the pro-life side. And you know what? Good. Good because they've been able to defer this issue to the courts all along. Both sides have been able to be lazy intellectually, lazy in having these discussions. And it's interesting because if you take this issue, if we go back to the cultural situation and you take this issue as it's happening right uh, in our culture over the last 49 years, the Christian right was largely built on the house of this. Uh, Abortion, historically speaking, was a Catholic issue. The idea that Protestants, I'm this is going to shock the Protestants right now. You know, you grew up in a Baptist church like I did. You don't know any of this history, but it was not a deal for them. They didn't, nobody was taking a strong position on this. And even after Roe v. Wade happened, it took all the way until 1979 for the moral majority to get formed. They were, this was just, this just wasn't really on the radar. It starts to become an issue uh, with guys like Francis Schaeffer and his documentary series, and the people who are in the evangelical right know who I'm talking about here. This is this was new. This was innovative. This was not how this was not on the radar screen. But with Roe v. Wade, all of the candidates that they've been supporting all these years, all they had to do is say that they were pro-life and be done, and they didn't really have to pay much consequence for that uh, because the other side wasn't concerned about it because the Supreme Court was holding up their right. So we are in brand new territory here where they're going to be forced to talk. Now, I don't, I, my hopes, honestly, are not very high that they're going to talk in a way that's positive and affirming and, and forgiving and tolerant and even more important, even more for our purposes, gracious. They're not going to be understanding and empathetic. They're going to be combative. They're going to look for the fight that they can have. But this is an opportunity that even in that uh, area, and I the one thing that you can say is that this is happening all the way in June, and June to November is an eternity in politics. A lot can happen between then and this issue can get dropped and forgotten. But the real, it's a real possibility that this is a live issue. And how they play their cards, even over the next few months, could really play into the hands of the Democrats. If they want to go the coercive force route, if they want to show and flex all of their muscle, they want to be as brutal as they can possibly be on this question. I do think they're going to keep the story alive and it's going to cost them uh, th- their hopes uh, in the fall. So it is to the, the pro-life side's benefit right now for one, for them to not overplay their hand for political reasons, but two, for long-term cultural reasons. If you care about the health of the country to try to find ways to double down on grace, 
to try to find ways now that women who are seeking abortion, you're going to be even more readily available to help them. And we're going to do more to make sure that, that uh, uh, children find homes where they're wanted. This whole thing of caring for the health of the country, the cultural health of the country, is something that is so far off the radar. Well, it's just gotten further and further in my own lifetime. The divide and the, the political angst and all of that. If abortion and whether or not it can be um, legalized state by state gets resolved, that's fine. But I think the bigger picture here is the one that you and I have spoken about so many times, which is how is it that we can recombine ourselves as Americans rather than as pro-choice Americans or pro-life Americans or blue or red Americans or whatever. What's, what is the pathway that you can envision? And let's you know, look into the crystal ball here, Jim. And, and I know how you're going to answer this because both of us, both Jim and I, share a belief in libertarian principles that unite rather than divide. And even in the Libertarian Party, as we know, there's, it's fractured right now. So we have this opportunity that exists far beyond the politics of the thing to find each other again as human beings. How would you suggest that we approach that using this decision by the Supreme Court as a lever? So I have friends who are excited by today's decision. They're stimulated and, and invigorated. I have friends who are angry. They're probably mad as hell at the moment. And I would imagine that even some of both camps are, have been, may have even tuned into this episode or will watch when it's no longer live. And I want to keep those friendships and I want to keep those conversations. Now, I've been uh, president of Downsize DC and we launched our first action item in July of 2004. And in running that organization, which was my full-time job up until the end of 2018, I had steadfastly, Perry Willis and I, my partner on that venture, had steadfastly avoided talking about abortion. And today, over at the Zero Aggression Project, we sent out an email and said, and put it on our Facebook page saying, we're going live and, we're gonna, and Jim's going to discuss this issue, knowing full well that this is, a, you know, this, is, this is a company channel, so to speak, right? I mean, we're letting everybody know that we're taking a position here today. And Perry's, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Perry in any way, shape or form. I'm not speaking for anybody but me here, just to be a, a, once again, 100% clear. I am not my organization. Those, there's, there's other people that participate in that and we have to represent them accordingly. But for me personally, you start now by having a conversation. What are your goals and what do you want? Now you're going to hear a lot of people talking about polls over the next few days. And it's the polls, if you dig down beneath the surface of them are pretty interesting. So I'm watching NBC News, which was taking pretty much the position that this was a, a deep tragedy and a deep wrong that occurred today. And they were reporting the polls saying that, you know, more than two thirds of Americans want abortion legal. But if you dig down beneath the fine print, you find out, you know, two things going in opposite directions. That only about a third of the country believes that abortion should be uh, completely illegal um, without exception. Or, 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 or very close to that position, like maybe they'll allow uh, life of the child, right? That, that that position is only is less than a third of the country. Likewise, abortion being legal in all cases at all times up to the, the, the day before the birth, that position also only enjoys about a third of the population. So the truth of the matter is that no matter how you slice it, the, the decision that's going to work is somewhere in the middle where there is... 60 some percent of the people reside. 
And you know, you say, Jim, how are you doing your math? Well, there's only a third one way and a third the other. So you try to find that space where you can swing 60% of them. Like they're going to at least be, they're going to want that direction. And to me, that means that we do have to have a conversation and it needs to be civil and peaceful about when life begins. We have to have that discussion. And we have to have discussion about how we're going to uh, assist women in difficult circumstances. We have to have that discussion. And it's going to need to be more than talk because talk is cheap. We're going to have to start to back that up by action. So you can be all mad and you can post to Facebook and you can make, I imagine that people are going to have a little thing around their, their, you know, their face on their Facebook profiles saying where they're standing right now, signaling their virtue uh, to their respective camps, but that doesn't do anything. That does nothing. That's useless. What would be much better is if we agreed to civilly keep our friendships and find ways to talk to each other and find ways to assist and provide consensus. So, you know, you're probably detecting from my talk that I'm basically pro-life. However, I tend to believe that the government's a really dangerous institution. And the idea that we would start imprisoning doctors or we would restrict women's travel or any of the other crazy things that might be thought of by some of the radical um, uh, anti-abortion activists, I think we need to stay away from that stuff. I think we have to find a civil moderate tone that allows us to make abortion rare. I didn't say non-existent. I said rare. I think that's where we have to go, but it has to be done through voluntary means of talking and actual practical assistance. And those conversations need to start and they're going to be difficult on the politicians, but you know, it's tough. That's their job, but the rest of us need to do it too. Would you suggest that doing that um, within existing organizations is a good thing, like within your church or within your business colleagues or? Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, we talk about steel manning. I, 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 you know, I, the tradition that I grew up in, which I'm no longer a part of, uh, was more evangelical. And, you know, clearly that was the pro-life side, right? Uh, there are more liberal denominations as well. And here's what I would like to see actually happening in those places. I would like to see them finding ways to invite people who do not share their opinion in and treating them with respect and hearing them. Literally listening to what their concerns are. And I would also say that, you know, there's this concept uh, Nassim Taleb talks about called skin in the game. That if somebody's not actually kind of marching on to, to some, to, you know, backing their actions, backing it with action, I should say, if they're not doing that, you know, your opinion's a little bit weak. Like if it's just going to be that little thing on your Facebook profile, then sorry, you know, that doesn't, that is, there's no conversation there that doesn't change anything. It's not good. Like we have these opportunities where we steel man each other's approach, or even better, we invite somebody who disagrees with us. And, and here's a strange thing. We, we actually, we wait, you ready? We listen. We just listen, right? And then maybe when we're done listening, we ask questions, right? Rather than accuse and attack. And so that's where I would like to see this go. And I feel like there's a cultural opportunity here to have that discussion. And I think that would be just so good if we could do it and, the, and our society could be stronger because what's happened, and, and Bill, I, I want to say one more thing. I want to make sure, because I don't know where to fit this in, and I want to make sure we get this out during the course of this episode. The fact that, I kind of implied this earlier, but I didn't say it. The fact that we have not had to talk about this issue has made us weak. 
And it was this issue that was used to organize the beginnings of the Christian right. And it's from that time that things are, are a lot of our politics phrase and much of what happens up through 2008 with the financial crisis exists the way it existed. Like that whole era was in large part dominated by this one Supreme Court decision, which ran way ahead of where the, the democratic policy was and basically said, don't worry, we're going to take this off and you don't have to have this conversation anymore. Now we're going to be forced to. And I hope in the midst of it, we find respect for one another. I share your hope. And um, I'm, a, I'm a casualty of that very era. I left the Republican Party over this particular issue. And it wasn't, it, it was just so dogmatic. It wasn't a conversation that you could have with anybody in the Republican Party. So I wasn't feeling heard. And everybody's positions on this have been battle hardened, by the way. And it's just, they really have. Yeah. It, it's going to be hard to break through. It is. But until, until you have uh, within your own family, perhaps your own, your micro family or your larger extended family, unless you have experienced um, what happens with a miscarriage, it doesn't really come home to you in a visceral way. Um, many people don't know this, but my third child was a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And that changes you. I can't explain how it does. Mm-hmm. But in one aspect, because I'd already made my own choice by that time to be pro-choice, but in one sense, the loss of that life, Jim, is something that I still grieve. Mm-hmm. And you can't make a conscious choice on this until it comes home in your heart. And I think what we're advocating here is for the grace to allow that. I certainly Yeah, I certainly am advocating empathy. I always am. I I think it's important to know people and their positions. And I and I there's you're touching on something on the other side of this as well, where there is a life position that essentially argues about regret over abortion. There are women who've had abortion that regret it. Um, I, I just think everybody needs to be listened to and everybody needs to be valued. And, and I think it's hard for pro-life people to imagine someone, you know, making this decision, but instead of condemning it, how do you move in, in love and assist? And that's why I'm extolling the virtue of like these crisis pregnancy centers. I think that this is really, really something that could be this should go into overdrive right now. Like the money today, that you, all this money that's been spent politically now should be poured into that. Stop worrying about the, the politics. Take that off the table. Start pouring it now into, because literally, you know, I get, I mean, it took mere minutes. So that means that this organization already had it written. This, this Ovid, you know, uh, pro-life, you know, no abortion, anti-abortion, really, we should call it anti-abortion uh, advocacy group they want to fight. They're ready for the next fight. Uh, They should see their funding decline, honestly, in favor of doing things now to assist the women who will not have uh, access to abortion services. Put your faith to that test. Put it to work in that way and see if you can rescue lives, uh, if that's what you believe needs to be done, as opposed to relying on your politicians to do it for you. Amen. I don't know if there's any more I can add to this. Is there anything that's occurring to you as we've 
sort of spoken here and you summarized that you want to throw in as a final? Uh, I'm sure that people are going to have questions and comments about what it is we said, and they can uh, shoot those questions to us either here on YouTube where they can respond uh, to the newsletter that we send out at the Zero Aggression Project, because uh, I will answer in both places. Some of you even know how to contact me personally. Uh, but we will be happy to, to, to entertain those, those comments and questions or where you think we put the emphasis in the wrong syllable, so to speak, right? We want to make sure that, we've, uh, that we're part of the dialogue. Uh, we want to make sure that we're talking uh, with love, with grace. So my grace point today is that I think it's time for us to have a healthy dialogue that we've been impaired from having for, for 50 years because the question was settled. It's not settled anymore. So now you have to, you have to brush up your arguments, but now you're going to have to do something that you haven't had to do before, which is you're going to have to deliver those arguments in a way that they're actually going to be heard and appreciated by people who don't necessarily agree with you. And you haven't had to do that before. So you're going to have to sharpen your skills and that's going to require you to listen to you are going to have to listen in order to be heard. And that's the way I would prefer to see this addressed. Uh, I really would like this question to come off politicians' plates uh, completely and, and, and no longer really determine what the political divide is in this country because it's played a large role in how the political divide was up to this point. And if we can put this issue aside now and we can start to deal with this, not on the federal level anymore, but on the state level, then I think there's a potential for that to be more healthy. It definitely is the legal approach. There was no federal spelled out right to abortion before. Um, this was supposed to be a state level question for us to handle. And I, I, would, I, I just want to draw one more line underneath this idea that we will see differences in states based on how they handle it. And I really would like the scholars just to, to observe and study and figure out and report back to us what effects they believe each direction seemed to be having on the respective states that, that pursued those paths. Um, and then finally, I want to just throw out a caution that the pro-life side, you, you won. This is a battle you've been winning, waging and waiting to win for 49 years or, or a bit less because uh, it really wasn't the battle until like 1979. Uh, don't overplay your hand. Don't overplay your hand. Try to find ways, really try to find ways to rescue as opposed to using this new new tool to bludgeon your opponents in every brutal way you can think of. Don't don't do that. I mean, even even if you feel you're justified, you're gonna you're gonna set the country back and you're going to maybe even set your movement back. So do the right thing here. Be gracious in victory. Tim. <laughs> right now you've got me grateful for two things. First, I'm glad that, that leak happened. And gave us a little time, you know, soften up on our responses and maybe have a response now that's a bit more skillful. And, and second, oh, I'm so grateful we've had this opportunity to voice a response that turns away from aggression and conflict and more towards our shared humanity. Yep. I want to thank you. Thank you just for your courage to walk this path together. And when you comment on this topic, folks, when you're listening, please do so in the spirit of grace. You know, not, it's not about judgment or opinion. It's about what we do that resolves conflict in favor of grace. That's the best way we know to implement this government by grace that we're calling Grace Archie. Thank you for listening, everyone. I'll hold.